ready? Here we go. This is it. I'm looking at it because it's hard to believe. It's episode 121 of the No Laugh Track podcast. This is Justin Severson, the host. Thank you to Circle of Heat. That's a band. They let us play their music at the beginning there. Check them out. on. uh, They have a Facebook page. Check us out on Facebook. And if you could, if you really like this show and you want to be is the awesomest most amazing i know that's not a word but a really great person and really do a big favor to something you like leave a uh, comment on itunes review it really would uh, help us out let's get to the guest enough of that business it's episode 121 and brian mckim is here for the first time yes sir for the very first uh, first one first podcast first uh, what is it called again no laugh track no laugh track all right and awesomest is a word if you want it to be okay thank you thank you i heard you chuckle when i corrected <laughs> yes. myself yes yes <laughs> how are you sir excellent i'm excellent i'm having a good time so far got in uh, yesterday uh, yesterday afternoon from from uh, flew in from las vegas mm-hmm. and uh it was a, it was a grueling, uh, a grueling uh, few hours of uh, flying and whatnot, and very little sleep. I was a little droopy last night, but uh, had a great show. Wonderful crowd, and uh, this is a great room. One of the best, one of the finest in the country, as I recall from the last time I was here. Yes, how long has it been, sir? I saw on, uh, I think you tweeted. And that's the only reason I even got to put things together is uh, when I asked you about something before we started recording is that I think you s- said something about in a tweet about a return. A return, my triumphant return, yes. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's maybe 21 years and a month since I've been here last. Uh, uh, it's got to be some sort of record. Yes, I know. I, I hold all kinds of records. Uh, in fact, I, I hold the record, I believe, for the most uh, the time between appearances on Bob and Tom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really weird story. I Googled myself one night many years ago, probably about uh, five, six years ago. Uh-huh. I Googled myself one night, and I found a reference to me and this bit I used to do called Dear Abby. And I and I saw I click on it, and it turns out it's an audio recording of me doing the bit, but it's behind a paywall on the Bob and Tom Show uh, website. And I said, "Which son of a bitch recorded me and then sold it to, to Bob and Tom, or whatever you know?" I, so I, I I sent off an email to uh, a young lady that was the one of the um, producers of the show, uh-huh. and I said, "Hey, what's the deal? Why are you selling my material?" And she says, "Well, that's not a recording from a club. That's a recording from when you were on the Bob and Tom Show." I said, "I was." <laughs> And she said, yes. I said, wow. when? And she told me. I said, oh, I get it now. A long time ago when we lived in L.A., uh, we, used to, I, we used to hit the road and go to uh, Indianapolis. And yeah. they'd say, you know how you go to, you go to a, like, like, like today, you go to a, a market and they say, you know, here's your uh, schedule of media. Mm-hmm. You're yep. going to be on the radio. And it was like, oh, okay, Bob and who, Bob and Tom. And they were just like the local Indianapolis guys, you mm-hmm. know, the morning guys, the zoo kind of thing. And right. so I went and did the show. I did my Dear Abby bit. And uh, it ended up on the thing. So I said, well, gee, I'd love to do the show again. She says, oh. I said, well. Since we have a history. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I said, I'm coming to Indianapolis. I just so happened to be coming. And so they, they, they arranged it. And boom, I went on. And I, I stayed the full three hours and hung out with Bob and Tom for three hours. It was, it was awesome. So, uh, and I told them, I, have, I, I think I hold the record. Yeah. So. Did you hit him up for some money? Uh, no, I did not. I should have. I should, <laughs> should have. have. Yes. I'm, I'm, sure it was, I'm sure it was being downloaded like crazy. But here, <laughs> here uh, I uh, was booked. Uh, the, the, the room here in, in, in Minneapolis excuse me, used to be booked uh, by two different people. And they brought me in from uh, L.A. a couple of times. And the last time I was here was probably, I think, 1992 or 93. It was September. And I know that for a fact because I was on two television shows simultaneously. Not simultaneously, but that week I was on two television shows. Uh, Star Search, the old Star Search with Ed McMahon. And... uh, 
Comedy on the Road on A&E. Oh, wow. And I thought, man, this is awesome. I'm, I'm getting local ink here in Minneapolis. I'm on two TV shows. I'm going to play this club for the rest of my life. And then, <laughs> boom, never played it until this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> 22-year gap. So, uh, But it's great to be back. Yeah, so you did say the, the uh, people booking, they left. So mm-hmm. they probably a lot to do with it. And well, Yes, and one of them, uh, I believe, perished. Oh, no. Yes, yes. Oh, no. We, we won't talk about that. No, let's talk about it. You brought up Star Search. The, yes. It was still was the Ed McMahon. It wasn't like when they rebooted it with Arsenio. No, no. This was the one. Yes, I helped to kill Star Search. I, uh, <laughs> I, was, on, I was on the premiere episode of the last season oh, no. of Star Search. Oh, no. I believe it was the last season. And um, I, it was really odd. They were, they were actually like begging me. Not begging me. It sounds ridiculous. But they wanted me to be on the show. Uh, in fact, oh, my gosh. I, and I used to tell anybody who listened what I, how much I hated the show, which was silly. It was sour grapes, you know. Sure, sure. And I was in New York once at uh, uh, Dangerfields, and I did a spot. And this woman comes up to me after my spot, and she says, "Brian," I said, "Yes." She says, "Hello." She says, "I'm uh, I'm Claudia McMahon, and I understand you don't want to be on our show." <laughs> It was Ed's daughter, Claudia. She wow. was like talent coordinator for for it. And uh, so she hooked me up with Gary Mann, and Gary Mann, uh, in a series of conversations with Gary Mann, I eventually I, I, I consented to be on the show. I said, but it has to be the first episode. And they said, okay, fine. So I went on, and uh, I got uh, I got hammered by a fellow named Herb Dixon, who was a sound effects comics from uh, Vancouver, I believe. And uh, I was, you know, I, I got, I think I got, Two stars across the board. Yeah, was it like out of four? Out of yeah, five two out of, yeah, yeah, out of four. Yeah, yeah. There, were, there were four judges, and uh, I said it would have been nice if you know three of the four judges could speak English. I mean, it was really weird. They were like, it was like hairdresser to the third world stars, and, <laughs> and uh, Gandhi. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm Gandhi's I'm, agent or somebody. I'm yeah, really, I don't remember how. Who were the judges? They were just random, very yeah, well, semi celebrities. The one certified uh, English as a first language judge was uh, Adam Hunter, I believe. Remember Adam Hunter? He was a VJ from MTV. Yes, yes. I, I think he says on uh, satellite radio now. Yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah, I think he's so. Still around. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I forget who the other two or three were. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was a host. Helen Reddy. Maybe. Helen. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, and uh, uh, Jim Tavaray was on that episode as well because they brought in the winner of International Star Search from the previous season and put him on on our episode. Now I know that name. And Jim Tavaray, and, yeah. and I just worked with Jim Tavaray at the uh, Laugh Factory at the Tropicana in uh, Las Vegas. So it's this giant circle of life. Look at that! <laughs> Look at that! <laughs> Do you, uh, did you sit at home and watch when you were on Star Search? I well, I, I think I actually may have. Well, I guess you were probably on the I, stage. I bugged them to turn it on here. Did I may have been on. I forget. No, you know what? It used to run at an odd time. It used to run like five p.m. or something like that. They really jammed that show up. It's a shame. It was a it was a juggernaut of a show. It burped out a lot of stars, and then they monkeyed with it. The season I was on, they took it down to Orlando to MGM Studios. And they, they made the whole thing so complicated. And it was like on oh, like five days a week. And it was just – and the whole thing just rattled apart. It was horrible. I don't know who – I think I think Kevin James won the year I was on. I'm oh, sure. wow. Yeah, so. I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to do a bit about it in my act. Oh, really? I say, who uh, did win that year, you might ask. I said, it was Kevin James. He makes $600,000 an episode, I said. And I'm here on a Tuesday night. I said. <laughs> and they, and it would, it would, they would uh, be appreciative. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Both with the same Star Search credit. Yes, <laughs> yes. I helped to kill it, and then I did. Um, I did Ed's uh, 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 his online 
reincarnation. It was called Next Big Star. Oh, okay. Yeah. What a disaster that was. Why? Well, it was, it was, Ed would come to town in this big bus, you know, with all these logos plastered all over. He had all this, he had all this, um, sponsorship from all these companies. Sure. And, uh, and, uh, it was the, uh, we did it at the Atlanta punchline of all places. My, my, my wife, uh, Tracy Skeen is a stand-up comic as well. So when I say we, it's usually mm-hmm. because it's me and her. Uh, yeah, I think it's just because it happened to coincide with us working at the punchline that week. And Ed, Ed came into town on like a Monday or whatever. And the, you know, it's really where the bus comes in and they park it in the parking lot and it, and it sits there and it, and it, and they keep the generator going, you know, cause Ed's in there, you know, it's air conditioned. Sure. And then, uh, you know, Ed pops out and does the intro and then, and then he leaves and, and then they record you and then, uh, and then, you know, they, they have online voting. This was back, gosh, this might have been 2003 or something like that. And uh, 2002, maybe. Not as many people were on the internet. Oh, no. Uh-uh. So, you know, the, the voting, uh, any online voting thing like that it always is a it's just just putrid it's awful because <laughs> nobody votes or it's all kids or it's all done you know people are are artificially ramping up the oh, votes yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, you know so i didn't needless to say i did not win is there a, is there a joke about who won that one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no i don't even remember oh. the, yeah that the whole thing was a joke so yes <laughs> a whole damn thing sent ed to his grave is what i hear that's correct yes it did so i i got i got like within 20 feet of ed twice in my life and that was it <laughs> and then they they whisk him away that's right. back in his air condition yes oh actually i saw the show taped once so i got i got i got about 50 feet away from Ed that time I, oh you went to a tonight show we taping? went to a tonight show taping it was awesome uh uh tracy uh, how old are you I, it was uh, like were you, when you were in your career. Like, yeah, it was 1993, yeah. I believe. We were living in Los Angeles, and uh, Tracy put in for tickets. Back then, you would put in, and then uh, you know it would take forever because it was a waiting list. That would have been one of the last years. Yes, yes, and and uh, she put in and forgot, and then months later, she gets like a notification or a phone call or whatever saying you have two tickets waiting for, or four tickets for uh, for the Tonight Show. We said, oh my god! So we went and got Mike Sacconi. Uh, one hundred thousand dollars star search winner. Look at that! Uh, and his uh, his uh, his wife and uh, we went down to uh, uh, Olive and uh, Alameda at the NBC studios, and we sat way in the back. And I believe the guests were Julio Iglesias. Oh, and I I think it may have been Bill Cosby. The whole thing's fuzzy in my memory, but it was just awesome seeing uh, Johnny and uh, Ed and the, yes. the, the, the Johnny historic was the studio. Best, right? Yeah, it was fun. I loved living in Burbank. That's Did you ever do any other uh, TV? Uh, you know, go watch a game show. Try do to them get or on? watch them. I, did, I we, uh, yes, we uh, we watched. Uh, my niece came out and we we got tickets to Arsenio, huh? <laughs> yeah. and, and she actually made it. They used to sweep the audience, you know. Yeah, yeah. And actually, and, you know, they actually made her. They actually, she actually made the the, uh, the taping. Uh, you could see her thrusting her fist in the air and going, oh, yeah. woof, 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 yeah, barking, uh, yeah, barking, the bark. The woof, woof. <laughs> what else did we see? Uh, I forget. I, it, it was it's it was fun. We had to drive into Hollywood for that one, but uh, yeah, it was fun. And and, and actually, that was our peak uh, TV years, uh, eighty eight to ninety three. We started getting. Uh, I got I got on. I actually performed on Rick D's Into the Night, starring Rick D's. Remember oh that my! Show? <laughs> that was my network television appearance. Uh, that was on ABC. Uh, we both did uh, comedy on the road. We did uh, Evening at the Improv. We did uh, VH One Stand Up Spotlight with Rosie O'Donnell. Remember that one? Oh yeah, yeah we did. We did them all. And uh, that was the last TV shot I had until we uh, we were both featured on uh, Last Comic Standing. Yeah, back in 2010. Yeah, and that was a blast, an absolute blast. I got it to. Uh, do the semifinals out in uh, 
out in Glendale at uh, Los Angeles, the Alex Theater. And uh, unfortunately, did not make it to the final 10, but uh, it was a great experience. And uh, we were featured in a nice little package, you know, when we did the New York audition. And uh, it was a great experience. And then uh, last year, uh, a week ago, or a year ago last week, I did uh, Ferguson. Yeah. So we're trying to get try to get back on the TV train. I saw that uh, one of the the other guests... Was it now the show that you were on? I know I've heard that they filmed some of that comedy stuff and it doesn't play for weeks. Would, were you was yours like that? No, that was his policy for a while. We're not sure why. Maybe okay. because he was touring or whatever. I don't know why he did that. But on my on mine, it was it was exciting because uh, they have this little uh, uh, Warren <laughs> backstage. You know, these little little tiny dressing rooms off this hallway and then a green room, and um, directly across from my uh, little dressing room was uh, Stephen Wright. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, hanging out with him was Peter LaSalle, who was, for many, many years, the producer of The uh, Tonight Show, okay. Johnny Carson. And uh, allegedly, through his experience doing Carson, he was befriended by LaSalle. And LaSalle sort of like, you know, discovered Stephen Wright. And they sort of, you know, they're like, they've been friends ever since. Oh, okay. And in fact, LaSalle was present at my taping, which was really weird. Uh, uh, and it kind of it was it was a goofy taping. I sort of ended ended my set abruptly and said thank you very much, good night. And uh, they had a, they did a little edit, but it was it looked perfect. It was beautiful, and uh, I was really happy with it. It was a short set. It was like four fifteen, I think. Yeah, I watched it. And uh, oh, did you? Good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I had a blast. And uh, Rashida Jones was the guest on my on my show on my episode. Yes. And she. No, you're a married man. But honestly, I she. I read today. <clears throat> just today. <laughs> Amy Poehler, you know, yes, Amy Poehler, Amy Poehler Saturday yes. Night Live, yes, yes. Parks and Rec. She yes. just wrote a book that comes out last week, this week oh, or something. Oh, oh. In this book, she uh, describes Rashida Jones as like, I believe, something as like the sexiest woman alive. Really? Yes. <laughs> you disagree. I, well. You saw her in person. Come on. Actually, I never laid eyes on her because. No. Oh. She wasn't in my little area uh, dressing room. Why? She must have had her own. Apparently, she's on the show a lot. So for all I know, she had a bus or something, you know, or a trailer or whatever. But I never actually laid eyes on her. <laughs> well, then I have nothing more to talk to you about, <laughs> right. Brian, because th- that's all I was looking forward to is for you to describe Rashida Jones in person. <laughs> and the other, uh, the other one across from next to Stephen Wright's dressing room was Snow White uh, from um, I can't think of her name. Snow White from. Uh, Happily ever after, what I have ABC shows. I uh, can't think of the name. You know, the one of fairy tales and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I can't think of her name. But anyway, she she uh, she's an attractive young lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can't bring me her name. <laughs> yes, I can't. I'm a lousy guest. I can't recall. Well, I've been dropping names like Bad Stephen Wright, Peter. Lassell. I know. Come actually, on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ed McMahon, Claudia I, McMahon. That's true. That's true. The Claudia. Yeah, that was deep. <laughs> uh, you keep refer- uh, referencing your wife. Uh, that is also a comic. Uh huh. How long have you been married? 25 years. 25 years. Yeah, we've been together for, gosh, 30. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been a long time. Who was doing comedy first? I was. I was a, I was a hot, shit, uh, <laughs> hot shit opener slash feature at uh, the, the f- uh, fabled uh, Comedy Factory Outlet in Philadelphia. Okay. And... Uh, I was doing, like, there was, like, three rooms in Philly. It was great. It was a great comedy town in, like, 1981, 82, 83, 84. And uh, I was doing uh, I was doing quite a bit there in Philadelphia and, uh, you know, learning how to, learn to get in the hang of comedy. 
And um, her sister, she and her sister used to hang out at the Comedy Factory outlet. They were huge fans of comedy. And uh, in fact, her sister started to date the owner of the club and eventually married the owner of the club and then subsequently divorced the owner of the club. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, so I was working there a lot. And uh, so she's, you know, I I, uh, started, I asked her out on a date. And uh, we started dating, and then a year later, I persuaded her. Well, actually, she had always, in the back of her mind, wanted to do stand-up. And I uh, eventually said, go for it. Do it. She was going to do a duet, like a, a team with her sister. Oh, wow. But then her sister sort of soured on the idea of going up on stage. And uh, so I said to her— Oh, well, she was dating the owner. Well, yeah, really. It's like, come on. Conflict of interest there. Come on. <laughs> so I said to her, go ahead. Do it yourself. And she did it herself, and uh, the rest is history. She's been a stand-up comic now since 85. So Look at that. That's awesome. It, it, you know, it makes the road so much easier when you can go on the road with your significant other. This week, you know, I'm going solo, but, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the time we're, we're – December, we're going away for uh, three and a half weeks. Uh, we're going to do uh, the Borgata in Atlantic City, and we're going to do uh, the Comedy Works in Bristol, PA, and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. We can hit the, hit the road together. When you do that, are you on stage together at all? No, never, ever. Never. We've only, I think, been on stage uh, – Twice in our lives, uh, and only briefly, only for a second or two or a minute or two. Yeah. yeah. How, it's, it's a whole different animal, that, that team thing. Yeah, absolutely. How different is your comedy? Oh, well, uh, pretty different. You know, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, one-liners and, uh, you know, set up punchline, set up punchline. Right. And she is uh, she's similar in that regard, but she also does a lot of crowd work. She's really excellent at uh, mucking with the crowd. Oh, and, that's uh, good. Yeah, and she's uh, she's very very uh, she's very likable, very personable on stage. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> Is that her talking or are you talking? Uh, that's me talking. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a calculated move on my part. <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. How did you? Uh, so eighty one. Is that when you started? I started eighty one. Yes. October. How were you? Why were you in Philly? In fact, what's today's date? This is like. Uh, Today's the 29th? I think I... Uh, September 29th. I think it was like October. I, I keep thinking... Or October, October, pardon me. October, October 15th, I think. Uh, 81, yeah. I went up on stage uh, at the famed Comedy Works uh, in Philadelphia. Another club that no longer exists. What were you doing at the time? Doing, you mean, uh, day job-wise? Yeah. Uh, I was unemployed, actually. Yeah. I had No, actually, no. I was just about to be unemployed. I was a uh, graphic artist, paste-up artist at a uh, small publishing house in Philadelphia. And... Um, yeah, and in fact, I had just gotten my degree in journalism. Which did I see you went to Temple? Is that what I, I saw? did. I transferred. And that's to, how you ended up in Philly? Uh, well, no, actually, because I, I grew up in South Jersey, right across the river from Philadelphia. Okay. And uh, transferred to Philadelphia eventually and uh, got my degree. Yeah, so I was, uh, you know, I was just a. Uh, uh, and then shortly, like three weeks later, four weeks later, I lost my uh, day job. And so for about nine months, I was collecting unemployment and doing every open mic and getting on every stage I could, okay. which in those days was interesting. You could do like five nights in a row if you really uh, put your mind to it and kept your ear to the ground. Yeah. So uh, I got, uh, I think I got pretty pretty good at it pretty quick, quickly and, uh, and um, sort of crash course. Then what got, got a, you on the stage the first time? Uh, I like to say drugs, uh, and there. <laughs> what happened was this is this is the way early I early eighties drugs. Okay. No, no, Let me you, do the math you here. Never guess. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I was um, at a different graphics job, and I uh, noticed that I was very short tempered and I was getting annoyed a lot. <laughs> and uh, I was eventually I went to the doctor. I was diagnosed as having hyperthyroidism. Oh my goodness! Which turned out to be a misdiagnosis. Okay. Anyway. 
uh, he gives me two drugs. He gives me tapazole for the thyroid, and he gives me Enderol for my heart to regulate my heartbeat. I don't know. So I take, you know, it gives me the drugs, I take them. Uh-huh. Fast forward, like, 11 months later, I find myself on stage at a comedy club at 1 o'clock in the morning for the very first time I'm ever on stage. Never did anything like okay. that. Dressed as an eight-foot crayon doing five minutes of crayon jokes. Okay? You know, we were, we were so poor, we were little, there were 64 of us in one box. I didn't say it was good stuff. I'm just saying <laughs> things like that. So I said, my God, <clears throat> excuse me, how the hell did that happen? And then a, f- a few years later, I saw a report on 60 Minutes about this gray market uh, in certain uh, places like London and New York and Los Angeles, where performers were trading in uh, beta blockers, they call them, because what they would do is they would regulate your heartbeat and they would um, they would forestall any kind of nervousness, and so they would take them prior to auditions. And I said, beta blockers. Wait a minute. And I looked it up, and don't you know, I was taking Interol, I was taking a beta blocker. I said, that's probably why I got on stage after having no theater or any background like that whatsoever. Yeah. Being terrified, actually, of going up and addressing a crowd. But boom, I found myself on stage in 1981. So, thank God, I was misdiagnosed as having a hyperthyroid because one thing led to another, and I met my wife, and my life has never been the same since. Wow. So there you go, drugs. <laughs> but not those kind. But not those kind. <laughs> Over the counter, no. Uh, prescription drugs. <laughs> wow. Yep. That's amazing. That is How? Amazing. What? Uh, it's. I wrote this question down, and now it, uh, beforehand, <laughs> it actually, and now it, <laughs> what you just said, yeah, it ties in perfectly. How different would it have been if you wouldn't have married a comic? How different uh, would things be for you? Well, I don't think I'd still be a comic. You don't actually. think so? No, I don't think so because. Uh, you know, there's that thing where it it, it makes it uh, you know makes it easy to be on the road. And let's face it, that's where you have to go in order to make the bulk of your uh, money. Yeah, maybe you know I, I might have I may have innovated a bit, and I may have uh, you know gone into corporate comedy faster, or I may have uh, you know figured out a way to make more money and not be away for so long. That kind of thing yeah. works smarter, not harder. Yeah. Which which. Sort of makes it sound like I'm being stupid right now, but that's not the case. No, actually. no. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't think I'd be. A, I don't think I'd be a comic. But uh, yeah, in fact, uh, Tom Segura was just in town. Yes, and he he's married to a comic. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, in fact there in fact there's two uh, there's two uh, on the in the green room there's two people on the wall that I just found out last night are married to uh, I believe local Minneapolis yeah Tim Harmston and Mary Mack there you probably. go there you go there mm-hmm. you go yeah so uh, there's there's a few of us out there and uh, there seems to be a lot of divorce well maybe yeah I was gonna say a lot of divorce among comics but maybe that's not uh, not so hmm. you know probably the same rate as in any any other occupation. I it's always, high I think uh, everywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, I think it's high everywhere yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. If we're looking just between the two of us, I'm divorced. So oh, fifty percent oh. right here, there you right? Go, right. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> Sorry to chuckle at your faith there, but <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm very happy right now. Okay, good. <laughs> Everyone's very happy. Oh, good, including her. She's okay. very happy. I'm happy. All right. My girlfriend's happy. Can we talk about me now? <laughs> <laughs> uh. That <laughs> yes, okay. I good. think we should. All right, good. You uh, just a little bit ago uh, mentioned somewhere I'm going to be. Oh, there I said I again. Oh uh, my god! I know, right? Self-referential. I know this guy. <laughs> uh, the Tropicana in Las Vegas. You're going to the Trop. You're going to be actually staying at the Trop. Yes. How about that? What for? What's the uh, yes? The, what is uh, the my day job. Your- 
Yes. My my main job is I produce the KQ Morning Show. I think oh, you'll probably be doing radio with us later this week. Roger. And uh, every year we go to Las Vegas and do a couple of shows in November. Uh, and this year, the last four or five years, we've stayed downtown at the Golden Nugget. Before hey, that, nugget. we were at the, I love the nugget. Planet Hollywood. Uh, and when it was the Aladdin, we used to stay at the oh, Aladdin. Okay, yeah. And uh, even like a Treasure Island, I think, way back one year. In any case, we're back on the strip this year at the hey, Tropicana. All right. And up until two days ago, we were going to be doing our show. We What we do is we go and you know do our radio show right. th- Thursday and Friday. Right, right. And uh, we were going to do the show in the comedy club there. At the oh, Tropicana. Really? And now apparently they just announced this week we switched to some bigger theater. So, yeah. How about that? Well, tell me about the Tropicana. Am I going to love it? You are. It's, it's, <laughs> it's one of the older uh, hotels on the Strip. And uh, it's, it's on the hot corner, as uh, Harry likes to call it. It's uh, across from the MGM, the Excalibur, in New York, New York. So it's, and then there's Mandalay Bay right, around, right, right you know, across the street. So it's a, it's a, it's a great location. You'll love it. And uh, the pool is awesome. <laughs> and you'll be in the pool. <laughs> well, I thought maybe, you know, you were talking about you have a pool at your place in oh, Las Vegas. Yes, so if this yes. one doesn't work out, can I stop over? You can, yes, certainly. Come on down. <laughs> we're only eight miles from the bottom of the strip. It takes about 16 minutes to get there. Uh, <laughs> that's fun, though. Uh, broadcasting live, of course. Yeah. Unless I, yeah. We did that, uh, my lovely wife and I, uh, back in 93, when we moved from L.A. back to New Jersey. Uh, we were friends with John DeBella, who was the morning man at WMMR, which is a Metro Media uh, radio station at the time, mm-hmm. and he was legendary. He he had like like seven straight years of number one books, and he was just uh, he was allegedly like one of the inventors of the zoo format, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He is the man who is uh, he's actually part of radio history. Way back when when uh, Howard Stern wanted to be syndicated, uh, Mel Carmazin, who was head of um, you know, CBS? Infinity, Infin- okay. Infinity. Yeah, before they were acquired by CBS. Yeah. Mel Carmazin said to Howard, "Look, I'll syndicate you, but first you have to demonstrate to me that you can your 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 shit will fly in another market." So he said, "If you can go down to Philly, and simulcast in Philly, and take Debella down, uh, I'll syndicate you." So nothing gets in the way of Howard if he has a goal, right? And what he did was he went down – he went down. He would go down, actually physically go down. But he would simulcast in Philly for a few months and eventually destroyed DiBella. His, he, he knocked him out of number one. His, and like by the time Howard was finished, DiBella's dog was dead. His wife was dead. His, his, his number one uh, uh, position in the market was gone. And it was just a – it was a thorough destruction of John DeBella. He only touches on it for like a page in his book, Howard does. Uh-huh. So uh, and this happened. This all went down when we were still in L.A. So we get back to Jersey and uh, we were having lunch with DiBella all the time and he decides to – retire essentially but he only stays off the air for a year mm-hmm. so in that year we had lunch with him a lot we we're hanging out with him a lot and he says all right i'm going back to radio and he says and i want you guys to be my creative uh, team said, oh okay we're going to be writers for radio show this is going to be awesome yeah he says the first thing i have to do though i have to go up to new york and i have to beg howard for my job back that was the that was one of the things that howard said i'm going to destroy you and if you want to come back into radio you have to beg me for your job back so he goes up to new york Wow. But, oh, that's right. He was hired by Mel. Mel Carmerson hired him, Infinity, to be on the station that Howard was on. Yeah. So we did Afternoon Drive, and we did it uh, for five months in studio. We were in studio. We'd get there at 9 o'clock in the morning to do the thing. And then we said we just couldn't get along with the, with the host, John. And we, oh. we packed up our shit, went home, and we would fax in our jokes every day at noon. 
And that lasted for five months. So it was 10 months total. That was our experience in radio. <laughs> but the only, the only reason I mentioned is because, <clears throat> excuse me, in March of that year, we did a, a week of shows from the Hard Rock. Okay. We were the first uh, show to broadcast live from the Hard Rock, and it was awesome. The Hard Rock had just opened, the Hard Rock Hotel. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we absolutely loved it. It was spring in Las Vegas, and it was, a, it was a real blast. We had some great guests on. We had you know, Chicago and Engelbert Humperdinck. And <laughs> you going to have guests? You going to have guests? Uh, I'm sure. We always do. I don't know of any of them yet. You're the producer or the engineer? Producer. Oh, okay. I should know the guest. I was going to say. Our, uh, you know what that is? There's money involved in that. There is. So, wow. yes. We, you know, we pay like some talent to show up. Whoa. And, uh, yeah. Cool. So, I'm not in charge of the money, so I don't know. Oh, okay. We, were, we had a blast. We, uh, we were wrangling all the comics because we knew all the comics from way back. Yeah. You know? yeah so, yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. No, we get a few to show up for free. Frank Caliendo shows up a lot. Oh, good. Uh, he's an old friend of the morning show. Oh, uh, okay. Louis Anderson. Louis will show up. Oh, yeah. Louis from uh, Minnesota, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yep. yes. My lovely wife, by, by the way, is working at the Tropicana at the Laugh Factory this week. And she's there with Lou Dinos, who used to uh, open for Howie Mandel all the time. Okay. And uh, Quinn Dale who is a uh, Minnesotan by birth. Look at that. Lives in Los Angeles. Quinn, uh, Quinn says he might, might uh, have to ask me to get some of his friends into the sh- club this week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you may sell out and you won't have room for them. That's these, right. These, That's right. These freeloaders. Really? Come on. That's right. How did you end up back in? So you live in Vegas now? How long? Three and a half. Well, it'll be four years on Super Bowl Sunday. Okay. We uh, we ended up. Uh, yeah, we moved. We had moved. you lived there before? In Vegas, no, no. Okay. We had uh, we had been working there on and off since 1988. However, you know, when we moved to LA, we we made a connection with the Catch Rising Star, which was at Bally's at the time, and started working in Las Vegas. Because it's I think it's I think it's incumbent upon every stand-up comic to find a home of some sort, performing-wise, in Las Vegas. I think you know it's just it's I think it's one of those things. I think. You just, you know, we, we exaggerate. We say you just can't call yourself a comic unless you're playing Vegas once in a while. You know, it's it's like Mecca. It's like uh, you know, it's it's so it's just dripping with history and you know all the all the all the greats have played there and it's just it's fun. It's yeah. just a blast. So do you I, go to other shows? Do you go to other people's shows? Oh in yeah, Vegas? yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's one of the great things about living in Vegas as a comic because. Every week, there's uh, you know there's like a dozen comics just parachute into town and then yeah. and then uh, scurry away uh, on Sunday and Monday. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's fun. Uh, there's a there's a show uh, there's a show in probably seven casinos right now uh, of one sort or another. So wow, yeah, it's awesome. Wow, yeah, we uh, we are regulars at uh, the Laugh Factory at the Trop and at the Improv at Harrah's and. Uh, Las Vegas Live at Planet Hollywood, and uh, we used to do the club at the Riviera, but no more, no longer. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's great. And uh, you know, at any given moment, you know, you, you just expect there to be an announcement that another club is you know going to open. Oh, sure, because it's a, it's a, it's a great ticket. People love it. Uh, it's usually an inexpensive ticket, and people just love to go see the the, the standard three three man, uh, three comedy three man comedy show format. So it's good. So it's awesome. Yeah, I. Uh, I- I've seen plenty of comedy when I've gone on to Vegas. I love that. It's and you can go any night. Yep. 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 That's great. Yes, sir. Am I going to uh, experience weather in the 80s or the 60s in November uh, 12th <laughs> to the 15th? The, the high. The high on Saturday, I believe, is going to be 66, and I'm thrilled because that's like great running weather. Uh, 
Because for four months out of the year, you three and a half, four months out of the year, you just cannot run outside. It's just unbearably it's hot. It's too brutal. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even at night. I mean, I try once in a while, but I end up damaging my lungs for you know a day or two, which is not good for a stand-up comic. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna hit the uh, I'm gonna hit the streets probably on start on Monday. You'll probably get you'll probably get mid seventies, maybe maybe even eighty eighty or eighty one somewhere in that neighborhood. I'll take it. You'll do be you all right, yeah. do you remember the first time you went uh, performed in Vegas? Intimidation, intimidating. Yes, yes, it was very intimidating because it was Las Vegas and it was and it wasn't the greatest club in the world. It was Catch Rising Star when it was at the when it was at the Bally's, which used to be the MGM. You'll remember the MGM had a fire many many years yeah. ago. Yeah, and then they they sold it to uh, Bally's. But anyway. Uh, in the basement, essentially, way in the back, there was this giant theater that the MGM put in there. And what they used to do was they used to, th- they used to show MGM property films on this giant screen, and then people would sit in these giant f- uh, overstuffed lounge chairs and couches and such and uh-huh. watch the movie. Well, when, when it became Bally's, uh, they put a Catch Rising Star in there, and some genius thought it would be awesome to put a comedy club in there. So there's this giant stage about six or seven feet off the ground and and for the first for the first 20 yards in front of you are just these giant couches and then seating and it's like stadium seating so it's just a a cavernous horrible room for stand-up comedy i don't think i ever had i don't think i ever enjoyed myself there performing i mean i i killed you know many 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 times yeah yeah but it was just never never fun Ah. and so that was my first experience performing in las vegas and uh um uh, eventually, though, you know, you get the hang of it. It's different because the people from all over the country, people think, oh, Vegas is intimidating because it's, I don't know what they think. But, you know, but there's people from Australia and Minnesota and, and Alabama so and Canada. So it's it's a very, uh, it's a very uh, interesting mix of people. And it's it's not easily um, figured out initially. I think it takes some, it takes some uh, thinking to figure out how to kill in Vegas. Now, living in Vegas, uh, you know, when I'm there just once a year for a few days, <laughs> you know, I'm really just hitting up, well, of course, drinking you know, <laughs> a lot more yeah, than I do the right. rest of the year. Yeah, right. But also, uh, you know, if I'm going out to dinner, it's going to be like probably this restaurant that's convenient and it's probably really expensive. Right. And right. everything's really expensive. But you're writing it off. It's, it's on well, the, it's so on the, <laughs> Not everything, sir. But uh, do you know where to go to get, to get a good price drink and all that stuff? Oh, or a good yeah. Yeah. And all the oh. places where the tourists don't oh, go, baby. Yeah, because we're locals, man. That's what I mean. We got the Las Vegas. We got the Nevada driver's <laughs> license and all that. Oh man, we're working it. Yeah. In fact, there's a there's a really we eventually you get to the point where you just don't want to pay for any show or anything like that. Right. But uh, we have paid for a couple of things. But yeah, I mean, I've been uh, I've been going to uh, you know. Free concerts and all that stuff. So, I'll, yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll hook you up. <laughs> Actually, my wife, <clears throat> excuse me, Tracy is she's she handles all that stuff. Oh, she okay. knows where to tell you where to go. What kind of food do you like? You like anything weird? What do you like? Uh, I like I like pasta, red sauce, Italian. Oh, you know, yeah, she can get that and um, yeah. and steak. Steak, yeah, okay. Yeah, you like yeah. Indian food? Mm-hmm. Uh, nah, well, yeah. yeah well, I can I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't mix with drinking so much all the time, right? Oh, really? Am I right? Oh, no. We just went. We went. Uh, we, we went. And, uh, I had one of those Kingfishers, which is like a 22-ounce beer. Uh, beer and Indian food go together exceptionally well, I must okay. say. But, yeah, you'll have no trouble finding, uh, finding pasta. In fact, I think uh, New York, New York might have a, a really great uh, Italian restaurant. I'm, I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, don't. Go to Excalibur. 
not uh, not the greatest. Uh, there might be a Buca di Beppo in, in uh, Excalibur, which is Italian, of course. Oh yeah, I don't. They have Buca here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I uh, oh, did I write that down here? There's something that ties into Vegas. I want to ask you about. Well, Kanye West. Did you hear? If I don't what? find it here, I'll try to remember. What? Kanye West. You're a big fan of his, right? <laughs> like I am. Yeah. Right. I don't. Okay, here it is. Uh, Kanye West. I'm not a fan. No. Uh, he just got offered. You know how they have like uh, Britney Spears and Celine yes, Dion and Elton, yes. the residencies. Yes. Or even there, like there's some comics I know, like Rita Rudner at one point. Exactly. Probably still Rita's, now. Uh, Rita still has. She does like a few shows and then stops and a few shows and stops. She has like a weird limited residency. Yes. Well, and you mentioned Planet Hollywood. Yes. Yes. No, I don't know how much they offer you, how much they pay you when you perform. <laughs> oh right. But, oh, that's right. He's getting a big bucket of money dump. Kanye West <laughs> reportedly declined. Oh, he did. Declined. How much? Four point five million dollar offer for to play nine. Concerts, not nine months, not nine years. Nine concerts in Las Vegas. Fascinating. The invitation would have allegedly have made him the highest paid musical act in Las Vegas, ahead of stars like Britney Spears and Celine Dion and Brian McKim. Allegedly, (laughs) (laughs) yes. I uh, we uh, I was doing the shows at um, Planet Hollywood. And it's really weird when you live there. You go, all right, uh, let's see. I got a show at 8 o'clock. The first thing you ask is, is Britney performing that night? Because although you got to find a different place to park. Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah the place is just madness. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's just crazy. That, that's what you start to think like a local. Oh, no, that's going to jam up traffic. Oh, <laughs> no, not the electric daisy thing. No, gosh, oh, the life is beautiful. Oh, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to screw up the strip. <laughs> Oh no! NASCAR is going to have the parade. Oh. They have a NASCAR parade. Yes, they do. Uh, when NASCAR Does it go down, the, the, NASCAR comes to town twice a year, right? And uh, yeah, to promote the to promote the race, like they need to promote the race. They all the cars, I believe, all the cars or some of the cars, essentially just motor down the strip. They, oh, they sort of shut down the strip for about forty five minutes. And then, I just got into NASCAR this. Oh, did year. you? Oh, yes. oh, where'd so. you go? Uh, Indianapolis. Oh, Indianapolis. Everything ties together. Oh, my. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Yes, I went to and the... did you enjoy it? I did. I did. How about that? Oh, we were, at, uh, we were in Greensboro, North Carolina, and we had done a uh, private party the night before, and we're, we're just sort of muddling around in the, uh, in the Holiday Inn Express breakfast room, you know, and just uh, downing some eggs before we hit the road to go home. This is when we lived in Jersey. And mm-hmm. uh, we hear some guy talking to people he's like sort of he's hobbling around something's wrong with him he's 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 sore he's something's wrong he's sick i don't know but he's he's asking everybody something and he comes up to us he says would you guys like tickets for the race and we said oh no no thanks no thanks we're we're going home Mm -hmm. and then i said to trace i said does he mean the race there was a race in martinsville martinsville it sounds right yeah yeah martinsville there's a race in martinsville that day, we knew because we had seen like signs for it on the way down. Mm. And so I said, hey, we've never been to NASCAR. Let's so I went. I, I said, did you give those tickets away? He says, no, here they are. He says, my back. He says, I hurt my back, and I can't sit for four hours and watch a race. He says, well, here you go. He says, they're VIP ticks. You can have a meet and greet with Dale Jr. beforehand at the Bud Tent. Okay. <laughs> and, and you'll get like a bag of swag, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they're good seats. He says, they're like 40 rows up right on the finish line. I said, all right, awesome. So we had no idea what to expect. We left too late. We didn't get to meet and greet Dale Jr. Okay. Didn't, get even, didn't even get to the bud tent before everything was shut down. We eventually scramble into our seats just in time. And uh, 
and we, it was by God, it was Roger Petty like doing the invocation, and it was it was awesome. And it's the smallest track on the circuit. Oh yeah, those are so great. You can see the whole thing it, then too as they're going around. Yes, yeah. it was kind of weird because. Uh, they they kind of look like they're going slow because they really never get up any speed on the straightaway. They're, yeah, they're not going like one eighty five, one ninety. They're doing like seventy five miles. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like being on i ninety five. It's like going from Boston to Philly on i ninety five. But uh, it was crazy because we're sitting next to two guys from upstate New York. They're doctors, just regular guys. You know, they're sitting there and they're and they're uh, you know they got one guy's got a radio. You know, and he goes. So anyway, uh, before the, before he says start your engines, they look at us. They say so. Yeah, do you have your earplugs? Right. We said earplugs. Right. <laughs> he goes, and then as, he, as he's getting his out and screwing them into his ears, he goes, "Oh, you're going to need earplugs." Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> and then go home. They, they they fire up the edge. We're like, "Oh my god!" The smell and the sound and the noise. Oh, I it's said to, loud. I yelled at Trey. I said, "I think we're going to die." <laughs> <laughs> and we're we're ripping off pieces of plastic bag and jamming them in our ears. And, oh, oh, the horror. Yeah. Once you get used to it, really, you never do get used to the noise or the smell. Yeah. But once you get used to it it's it's, it's just a spectacle mm-hmm. and uh a friend of ours uh was uh, he's a he was uh, an agronomist degree in agronomy and the whole deal uh he uh, used to tend to golf courses essentially he would uh he he did he took care of the grass at like seven courses in vegas mm-hmm. and uh, he went to one of the NASCAR events at the Vegas track many a few years ago, and he noticed that the grass on that you know the infield the, the apron they call it mm-hmm. he noticed that it was in horrible shape. Mm-hmm. So he said to a, some VIP there, he said, "Look, I can make that grass awesome. Just give me a shot, you know." And I says, "I don't want any money, you know. Just you know, throw me some tickets here and there, whatever." So uh, don't you know for the I think it was the uh, uh, the Cobalt Tools five hundred or whatever he did the apron and it was. Absolutely beautiful and spectacular, and they painted the you know the thing you see the giant logo on yeah, there, yeah. like that. And uh, um, he said, "You guys want to go see NASCAR?" We said, "Oh, we'd love to," you know. And so what he had was on the on turn three, there's like a hill overlooking turn three, a giant hill, and up on top of that, they put these uh, RVs and campers and tents and such. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's like a VIP section. So he got pa- like all these lanyards, and he got passes, and he he rented or borrowed an rv and he had a barbecue and we went up there and we watched the uh, we watched the race from from that vantage point and it was just spectacular absolutely spectacular and it was it was awesome because i think it was the third lap somebody spins out and goes right across his grass it just oh yeah it cuts <laughs> just, it all up oh, and shoots oh, in the air yes disastrous oh yeah but it was pretty it was pretty for the uh, for the opening so yeah oh yeah. that's awesome yeah so that, that, that uh, more more free shit in Las Vegas. Did you are you a uh, fan of any other sports? Yes, and and when you can bet legally, oh, are you? Uh, it, it makes it uh, it makes it fun. Do you uh, wager we, here or there? We just we uh, we th- we throw the occasional you know twenty dollar bill here and there. We um, we got the last. Two what, Super- what, ca- what kind of bet catches your eye? Well, the last two Super Bowls, it was fun. The last two Super Bowls, we did uh, we did prop betting. Oh, okay. And uh, the ridiculous prop bets. Yes. Well, prop bets are all pretty silly, actually. Yeah. But sometimes they make a kill. The race and sports books make a killing on them. Sometimes they get killed. In fact, we arrived in town for the very first time when we moved here. We set out that morning from Albuquerque, determined to you know go all the way, and uh, it just worked out that way. We got we got stuck in Oklahoma for three days because of that. Remember that? Uh, remember that? Uh, 
snowstorm that almost knocked out the Super Bowl in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. That was we, we couldn't get through that the aftermath of that. So we were delayed three days, just sitting in a hotel writing a, one of our books, writing a book in, in uh, Oklahoma. So anyway, we, eventually we light across, light out across the you know across the Great Plains there, mm-hmm. and eventually we end up boom in Super Bowl uh, in uh, Vegas on Super Bowl Sunday, and that was the year. When one of the prop bets the casinos offered was, it was crazy odds. It was like 50 to 1 um, that the first score of the game would be a safety. Oh, wow. And as you'll recall, I believe it was uh, Tom, uh, Tom Brady got, got sacked in the end zone. Safety. And the casinos took a bath on that one. Wow. A lot of people bought it just for fun. Yeah, yeah. So we were, we were, we were, we were taken by the, by the idea of the prop bet. So next two Super Bowls, we, uh, we, we were buying goofy ones. And we actually, we ended up making like, you know, $7. <laughs> but, but it's fun. It, just, it adds interest to the game. Do you remember any of them? Any of those prop bets? I think uh, something like the last score would be a field goal or something wacky no. like that. No. Or, or the, or the uh, you know, or nobody would score in one quarter. One, at least one quarter scoreless. Something okay. wacky like that. Do they really take bets on the, in Vegas on the length of like the national anthem and things like that? Or is that... I don't think they do. I mean, do you that. end up reading these goofy... Yeah, I think they do that in England. Okay. I'm not sure, but I think they do that in England. I, they don't do that in uh, here in the in the in the. I didn't think so. No, but uh, now this year, to add a little bit of interest to the NFL season, uh, we're Eagles fans, of course, okay. because of the Philadelphia influence. Okay, but uh, so we've always sort of just you know, hey, if we can catch the Eagles, it's uh, that's fun, and and they've been good here and there. Uh, but uh, this year, we said, all right, we're putting five dollars down on four teams to win the Super Bowl. And so uh, I, I, I thought about it for about 10 minutes and then decided we put five bucks on Indianapolis to, you know, to take the whole thing. Uh-huh. Five bucks on Indianapolis, five bucks on the Eagles, five bucks on Detroit, and five bucks on Cleveland. So it's like 12 to 1, 15 to 1, 20 to 1, and 50 to 1, I think, yeah. in descending order there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so far, if, if our four teams were a division, they'd be the winningest division in all of the NFL. So we're, we're, do- we're doing good. Yeah. People think we're crazy. Last year, I put $5 on the Eagles to go all the way. It was 50 to 1. And uh, about three quarters of the way through the season, people were offering me a hundred bucks for the, just for the ticket because it looked like it was actually going to be an, an, a you know a, 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 a good bet. Yeah, but uh, are you a Nick Foles fan then? I am, and who wouldn't be? Uh, and I I've been keeping my ears open and actually listening to sports talk radio once in a while. And boy, are the Eagles being disrespected! Uh, they never talk about the Eagles, and when they do, they talk about them as if. Their success is some sort of a fluke, and they're uh, they're, they're essentially they're dissing the Eagles, and they, they go on and on about Dallas. <laughs> that was awesome Monday, <laughs> Monday night. Yes, and they go on and on about Dallas and Denver yeah. and Seattle. Ah, Seattle's hurting. Yeah, but uh, they never they never talk about the Eagles. So they're you know they're a sleeper team. They're gonna, they're gonna, this they're was gonna, your chance. They're gonna go, go all the way, baby. I'm glad I brought it up. Now I, you get I, that I, off your chest. I think we'll be 75 bucks richer come uh, <laughs> come uh, February 2 or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. Love it. Yeah, you uh, before before we are done here, you do need to talk about the book you wrote with your wife ah, because yes. you've referenced it and we have not talked about it at all. Ah, oh, well, I I'd love to. Uh, yeah. We, uh, we it's were, called the Comedy Bible, right? That's right, the Comedy Bible, the complete resource for aspiring comedians. I think yes, awesome book, beautiful. Have, you have a, do you have a, do you have a copy? I do not have a copy. It's available at Barnes and Noble. I uh, saw it's on for sale on Amazon and Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. But it's actually in the physical bookstores for as long as they're still around. Yeah, really. And, uh, it's a it's a beautiful little book. Uh, we were it came from out of nowhere. We were uh, we were actually in Las Vegas. Uh, 
uh, visiting um, back in uh, 2010. I got an email from a publisher in England, and I said to Tracy, I said, oh, these people, they probably, I think they want us to review a book. He said, oh, okay. And I, you know, it was in my inbox. And then I got a second email from them. I said, I think they want us to write a chapter of a book or something. I'll look at it later. And then I got a third email from them, and I said, uh, they want us to write an entire book. And she said, wow, do you think we can? I said, hell yeah. So we, uh, we wrote we wrote the book. They're going to pay us. <laughs> and they're going to pay us. Actually, yes, they did. They paid us a lump sum rather than royalties. Uh, and uh, we had 10 weeks. By the time we signed the contracts, 10 weeks to write 250 pages. What was with the deadline? It was a deadline. They had a publishing deadline. I don't think we were the first choice. I could be wrong about that. Oh. But uh, uh, it was a wise choice on their part. We had been, <laughs> we had been uh, writing the magazine, uh, online magazine, ShekiMagazine.com, yes. for 15 – well, by that time, it was only been 11 years. And uh, – so we were we were a logical choice to write the book, and it's a it's a we I like we like to say it's not so much a how to as a why to, it's a sort of a examine your motives. What do you want to do? We try not to, we tried not to tell people how to do comedy or what to do or what to say. We just said examine your own motivations. Here's what to expect, and you know have at it. So uh, a lot of people have described it as. Uh, it's frightening, <laughs> oh, wow. or scary, or intimidating. Because there's first-person stories from no, no, your life. No, or no, I think it's because you know, remember when you were in school and the teacher would say, "Write a 500-word essay on how I spent my summer vacation," or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you go, "Okay," and you'd start writing. Um, but it was frightening when the teacher would say, "Write a 500-word essay about anything," because all of a sudden your brain scrambled. You say anything, and it, for some reason that widening of the choices. Uh, was uh, had the exact opposite effect on people's creativity or whatever mm-hmm. or or their you know, their their abilities. So I think this book is similar in that way. It's sort of it leaves it so wide open that you don't know where to begin, and it's kind of like oh well, I asked for it, now I've got it. It's kind of like a kind of like a dog that catches a car. You know, he chases the car. Oh, oh, <laughs> now actually what? catches one. Now what do I do with it? <laughs> so I think that's what the book does, and it's uh, I, maybe not doing the best sell job on it. But what kind of feedback are you getting from it? Uh, have you been? It's getting? just been very gratifying. You know, we we'll, we'll run into people who have have read the book and the same thing with the magazine people people say i wasn't a comic when i started reading the magazine and then i started doing stand-up so it really helped me a lot so it's, it's always gratifying to run into the people who have been reading the magazine for so long and uh so uh we've been getting great great feedback on the book it gets positive reviews on amazon i think yeah and uh <laughs> tracy wrote a book but it's an e-book no, okay. i shouldn't say but it's an e-book it's, an e-book. it's right. a wonderful book called uh, uh always or sometimes ask a man and uh <clears throat> excuse me which is a book enjoyed by women and men, okay. uh, and we're writing we're writing a book uh, together, our second book together, uh, which is tentatively titled "The War on Comedy." Okay, we have to we have to come up with a, a, a catchy subtitle, but uh, it's all about how uh, uh, stand up comedy and humor in general is sort of seems to be. Uh, uh, it's, it seems to be under fire. Uh, it's the people are at war with with comedy, and comics are being forced to issue apologies and uh, you know all this stuff. So we're, uh, we're we've got three chapters and an intro written, and uh, we're going to shop it around, try to get a publisher, a real live publisher, and a real live book book. See what happens. Very cool. <clears throat> and the in the Shecky magazine is dot com. We mothballed it April first. Okay. On its fifteenth. Yes. On its on its fifteenth uh, anniversary. Aww. And uh, but. It's the, all the content is still up there. I see that, and uh, there's a wealth of content. I mean, my God, fifteen, uh, fifteen years of well, actually three years sort of disappeared because of a worm back in uh, two thousand two. Oh wow! Uh, but it's a lot of that still had. You can still be it still be had by uh, uh, the Internet Archives. But uh, yeah, fifteen years of stuff, and um, 
you know, interviews and, and just our, our musing on uh, practically everything uh, stand-up or humor-related. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was fun uh, to do that. I think it gave us purpose in life. <laughs> and uh, it, led to, it led to a book and possibly a second book. Yeah, we mothballed it because now we're harvesting a lot of that content for use in the war on comedy. That makes sense. And uh, it's good. We have a chapter about uh, political correctness, a chapter about rape, a chapter about Obama, a chapter about uh, – and now we're coming up on a chapter on apologies. So I think it's going uh, to be interesting to stand-up comedy fans as well as stand-up comics. That's something I'd like to see. All right, good. We'll Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah, sir. Are you a uh, are you paying attention to the World Series? Uh, only in so far as it affects the crowds. <laughs> so we're going to have a uh, game seven tonight, and uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, I hope Kansas City wins because uh, I, I I I tend to root for you know the underdog or the it, the people that don't win that often. I was looking online this morning. If you were in Kansas City this evening oh. and you had a uh, wad of cash in your pocket, the uh, minimum this oh. as of this morning to get into that game. Uh-huh. Five hundred eighty-one dollars. That's it. Yeah, five eighty-one. I thought idiot. you were going to go up into the four figures. No, how about that? Yeah, five eighty-one. That's the you know, for some people that's a lot of money, but for other folks they peel off, they peel off uh, ten hundreds and buy two, two for a thousand. I'll give you two for a thousand. <laughs> Already, I'm wheeling and dealing. I couldn't afford that. What's the most <laughs> you've ever paid to go to a show? Oh gosh, we Is were just that- talking about this the other day, Tracy and I, because yeah. we we're not, you know, it's really crazy uh, ticket prices these days. See, I'm, I'm a, I'm a bit. Uh, I mean, I went my first concert ever was probably like 1973 or four. I think I saw. I can never remember if my first one was Elton John. Oh, I can't wait to hear how much it was. Yes, or. Um, or if it was uh, Stevie Miller, Stevie Guitar Miller. It was the yeah. uh, James Cotton Blues Band, Boss Gags, and Steve Miller at the Spectrum. Uh, but I, I think I, I think I remember paying something along the lines of like eight or twelve dollars or something like that. Right. And now it's like a hundred bucks. Now I don't know what twelve bucks would be adjusted for inflation, but it's certainly not a. I guarantee you, it's not a hundred bucks. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I, I can't understand. Uh, there, I, we were sitting there trying to think who would we pay that kind of money to see, and there's really. Nobody, uh, nobody on the, you know. No one alive? There's no musical bucket list. No, no one alive. Uh, I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen James Brown. I've seen, in fact, I have a list on my uh, Facebook uh, page, connected to my Facebook page, linked, uh, of con- live, live concerts I've seen. There's a, quite a long list. And every once in a while, I remember another, oh, that's right, I saw that person. Oh, yeah, Andre Segovia. I don't know. Why, why? Do you, are you like me? I keep the ticket stubs. Do you keep oh, the no, stubs? Oh, no, I didn't do that. I should have done that. I should Yeah. I've seen some crazy ones. And for some, there were no stubs because I, I started getting used to the getting in for free thing early because I studied mm-hmm. journalism. And so, you know, I st- oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll go re- review the David Sanchez concert or whatever, you know. <laughs> so that's great. Some of the weird crap I've yeah. seen. At the radio station, the we had Tucker some. bad, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the radio station, we had a, uh, well, he still works there, a, uh, he a DJ on the air at a classic rock station, <laughs> but for years would get the media pass as the sports director for the station. Oh, we, we didn't do any no, sports. Oh, nice scan. We didn't do any sports, but he'd nice go to, uh, yeah, done. That's like when I was a photographer. I mean, I used to carry around 35 millimeter equipment all the time and a Polaroid, <clears throat> excuse me. And a friend of mine who was a real photographer told me how to get a police pass. So I went down to the headquarters. I got a police pass. So it was awesome. I could like, I could go, up to an event or whatever, flash the police pass, you know, press pass rather, press, and uh, get into yeah, yeah. things. It was awesome. 
Are you uh, selling anything at the shows? A lot of people sell things at the no, shows. I'm not. No I, product to no, pedal? We, we, uh, we had uh, Brian McKim and Tracy Ski, Mr. and Mrs. Comedy stress balls for a while. They were, they were awesome. <laughs> we have, we, we can, but we can always sell them when we're together. Uh, they're square. They're cubes. They're awesome. It has okay. Our, our little logos on there. It has, I mean, our little uh, likenesses on there. What did you say? It's Mr. and Mrs.? Mr. and Mrs. Comedy Stress Ball. Love yes. it. Yes. Because when we got to Vegas, one of the first gigs we got was awesome. It was uh, the following November. Well, not the first. We, uh, we, got a, we were a month-long mini residency at the Orleans Hotel Casino as Mr. and Mrs. Comedy. We were on billboards. I saw the picture. It was awesome. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't believe my good for, our good fortune. But, uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, that club no longer exists. We helped to kill that club, but uh, yeah. So we, Patters, we, were for, we were for a while. We were, we were Mr. and Mrs. Comedy, <laughs> which is a, which is a rather seems pretentious, but it's not really. <laughs> really. Does that get covered in the book? Titles no. such as Mr. and Mrs. Comedy? No, no, it will not. It will not be. It was not covered in the book. <laughs> well, what do you think, Brian? Anything else we need to mention that's going on? I don't want you to. I don't want you to walk away and like I didn't get to say that. I'm going to kick myself because I'm going to remember as I'm walking down the street. No, I don't. I, I think we. I think we covered it all. By golly, I just hope I hope I return to uh, Minneapolis and. Uh, 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 oh, that's F- right. I'm Facebook, talk- Twitter, I, to my Facebook. Oh yeah, yeah, Brian McKim. I believe I'm Brian McKim, yeah, uh, Twitter. I tweet once in a while. I, I've got, I got, like, my last two tweets have been retweeted a couple times, so I'm thrilled about that. I'm sort of getting the handle on it. I just, yeah, I can't devote as much time to it as I'd like, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a weird thing. Instagram, same thing. Well, what do you want to do? Write a book or concentrate on Twitter? Come exactly. on, have your priorities. You're damn right. <laughs> We're going to write that book. Book's coming out, I tell you. We're going to do it. Um, no, nothing else. Uh, uh, oh, I'm talking to AGT. America's Got Talent. Might, uh, might, oh. might audition in February. Uh, like one of those scheduled auditions, you know. I wanted to stand out in the street in the in the hot sun. Right, right. Um, uh, so uh, we'll see. Because two time no laugh track guest Wendy Liebman was yes. on the last season and, and did it really, really well. Did wonders for her. Yes. And uh, I, in fact, Wendy helped me uh, tremendously. She uh, sort of hooked me up with the talent coordinator on oh, on Ferguson. And, look at that. Uh, that's how I pretty much how I got got in their face. And uh, yeah, and so uh, I'm going to try to get on AGT. What the heck? I'll ask Comic Standing. I spoke to them, but I don't think they. Wanted me enough, by golly. Uh, they were, uh, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, love to have you on. And, uh, you know, I was a semifinalist last time. I'm not going to go to Denver or whatever and audition. Uh, that doesn't uh, make uh, sense uh. to me. Come on. Uh-uh. Give me a, help me out a little. Yeah. You know, meet me halfway. Nah. All right. Whatever. <laughs> on to AGT I go. We'll see. Once they stop playing musical chairs at late night, I'm going to try to get on one of them too. Because, yeah. But right now it's a little, it's a little unstable. It's a little unsettling. You know, they got this British guy coming in to sub for Ferguson, and yes, they got, uh, you know, what's his name, uh, Fallon. I mean, I, I guess I could, you know, figure out and start getting in the face of some of those talent coordinators. But we'll see. You know, got to work on some more clean stuff. See what happens. <laughs> Clean? How much? Uh, yeah, what? <laughs> what? You gotta have clean. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I know. I uh, <laughs> how do I say it? When I was watching one of your sets online uh, uh-huh. in this last week, and uh, somebody was asking me uh, to if I could describe your comedy, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, you know, it's a lot of one-liners. And uh-huh. then they said, is it dark at all? And at first, I said no. <laughs> And then I went, no, you know what? I take that back. I said he uses rape in a punchline of one of the jokes I remember very vividly. So, no, yeah, yeah. There's definitely dark. <laughs> there's, a little, there's a little bit of darkness yeah. in there. It's, uh, Tracy says, I, she says, I, I, I have to laugh whenever anybody describes your 
act as intelligent. <laughs> she says, really? She says to people, it's really not. <laughs> I say, yes. As I like to call it, it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a, uh, it's a crunchy, crunchy intellectual coating on a, on a creamy dumb center. <laughs> So that perfectly describes it. It's deceptively dumb. <laughs> so, yeah, it is a little edgy. I like to have a little edge. Yes, for sure. Brian, it's been great to meet you. It's been great to meet you as well, and I uh, had a blast. Thank you. Continued success, sir. Thank you so much. Peace. Yes.